Join us in a world where you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Sit back as we discuss hard lessons from the best and brightest the personal defense and competition shooting industry has to offer. Let us help you help yourself, no matter where you are on your personal path. Ballistic Radio is brought to you by Centurion Arms. Hard-use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. Now here's your host, John Johnson. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. I'm your host, John Johnston. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at ballisticradio.com and get the latest behind-the-scenes info, arguments, photos, whatever else, at facebook.com slash ballisticradio. Hey, Joe. It's a lot more fun in the afternoon. It is a lot more fun in the afternoon. I'm uh, not going to lie. I'm totally over it right now. I'll, I'll get into it. I promise. I promise to everyone that I will give you the maximum ballistic radio experience. Actually, no, that, that was too much. Dial it back. Just not, a little bit. Not, not the maximum experience. That's an in-person thing. I need to stop, you know. And you know what a good way to stop is, Joe? What's that? I can read the ad for this segment. And this segment they paid for it. Yeah, they did. And hey, <laughs> this segment's brought to you by Centurion Arms. Even if you're just a cook, a lowly, lowly cook. Are you calling tactical nukes from your couch every night with ease? You need to know that your life-saving equipment is going to work. And Centurion Arms knows it, too. Veteran-owned and operated Centurion Arms is dedicated to producing firearms, parts, and accessories with an outstanding level of quality, functionality, and precision at prices you can afford. Whether you just need a new rail or barrel or something else to finish off your latest build, or maybe you want to take all the guesswork out and buy a complete rifle, Centurion Arms has got what you need and knows that when you need it, you need it to work. Visit CenturionArms.com today to check out all their awesome products, Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. So I'm super excited because joining us today is noted Vespa action stunt writer, Caleb Giddings. Caleb, how's it going? (laughs) Uh, You know, it's good. Uh, Tomorrow will be six weeks since I dumped the bike, and I'm finally starting to get some use back in my left arm that was pretty seriously injured. Yeah, yeah. Well, so if we weren't so, like, if we weren't good friends, I'd feel bad about semi-making fun of you for your serious injury. But, you know, my father taught me the way that you demonstrate love to people you care about is by constant ridicule and uh, semi-mean behavior. So... I have several questions about that statement by itself, but I'm going to leave those for a conversation that we have not on the internet. (laughs) YOLO. But uh, yeah, man. So, and and I got to say, do you ever have like a thought and you're like, that's clever. I'm going to do that. And you're kind of pleased with yourself. Like ever. Frequently. Yeah. So, uh, you know, noted Vespa action stunt writer was something I thought of like four days ago. And it's been everything that I could do to just like hold that inside of me and wait and use it when appropriate. So anyway, and just just save it for the save it for the podcast. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so for the for those that don't know, um, who are you and what do you do? 
well, I am Caleb Giddings. In addition to my predilection for heinously expensive Italian motorbikes, uh, I also am a firearms industry journalist. I write for several large publications as well as make uh, videos on YouTube at youtube.com slash gunnutsmedia and, you know, just kind of do the whole outdoor journalist thing. And most recently, I've been doing a lot of coverage on the ammo shortage and trying to – a lot of what I've been doing has been playing whack-a-mole with the rumor mill and uh, trying to help people understand what's going on with ammo, with components, and all of that stuff. And it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting few months working on these stories. Well, and that's kind of something that I'm, you know, the the entire reason that I wanted to have you on the show, other than you interview really well and I enjoy talking to you generally, um, was sort of those recent coverage of that. And it seems like there's a lot of, I don't know, misinformation being applied to the current market that we find ourselves in in regards to not only ammunition, but also guns themselves, because uh, those are selling rather well right now also. Uh, so so what are you? What would you say the broad overview of, of this is? And then we'll dive into it. Sure. So at the 20,000-foot the view, uh, the market is experiencing a historic demand, demand that is greater than we experienced after. So the, the highest peak in demand other than what we're going through right now was 2013 when we had the double whammy of Obama's reelection and the Sandy Hook shootings. And everybody and their sister was just absolutely convinced that we were going to get some sort of new AWB slammed down our throats and, you know, uh, and, and the federal jackboots were going to be taking our guns. This current market blows that market out of the water uh some some industry people that i've spoken to say that their or that the volume of orders that they're getting at the manufacturer level for ammunition are 10 times greater than the one they were getting in the 2013 crisis so that's just to kind of give this a little bit of perspective is the demand is it's it is un, it's unprecedented. No one was prepared for it. No one saw any of this coming. And if there was a company out there who did, congratulations, you're probably doing very well. So then when you take your historic levels of demand, uh, and this is specifically on the ammo side, and we'll look at – I'll use two manufacturers as an example because they're kind of two of the biggest manufacturers. So you have uh, – for your foreign manufactured ammo, the stuff that gets imported, you have Magtech is probably one of the biggest importers of ammo into the United States. Magtech's plant uh, was running at full capacity in terms of labor, so they were already running three shifts before this started. Now, they had to reduce some of that capacity due to restrictions working around the COVID, but they were still running three shifts, 24 hours. Now, if you turn your eyes to domestic manufacturers, Federal is the largest domestic manufacturer of ammo for the commercial market, also running three shifts, 24 hours a day, even before the COVID happened. So if your plants are already at their labor capacity, then adding more volume to those plants is going to mean adding more machines, which is 
insanely expensive, cost a lot of money, and actually wouldn't do anything to affect the backlog of orders for probably 18 months anyway. Right. Well, and, you know, so I remember 2013, uh, I was actually working at a gun store, funny enough, um, and uh, Kyle's Gun Shop in Finneytown, which is no longer there. But the the point that I was going to make is, you know, it was a relatively small shop that had a pretty good selection. And I remember there being days where we had people lined up out the door uh, just because we didn't want everyone in the shop at one time because there wasn't enough room. Um, and essentially, we were just doing NICS checks for literally 10 to 12 hours a day, like just one after another, after another, after another. And, you know, so putting in the perspective, like comparing one to the other, you know, what happened, man, at this point, seven years ago, um, and saying that this is a much larger thing is kind of hard to comprehend for, for me working in this. And for a lot of people, they probably just don't have a frame of reference at all, right? No, and most people have never experienced anything like this from the retailer side. And there's an additional pressure that's coming in. So we've sort of hit the point now where everything is selling uh, with the exception of like single action revolvers and hunting rifles in African big game calibers aren't selling particularly well, but everything else is. And I was reading some reports from, uh, the, our trade association, the National Shooting Sports Foundation, and they're t- and it's difficult to accurately get a feel for the numbers, but their best estimation uh, based on some pretty solid math is that 40% of the gun purchases, so 40% of all of these gun purchases that we've had since March is sort of when we've identified the start of this crisis, Uh, 40% of the gun purchases since March have been for first time or new gun buyers, which is a very interesting number uh, for two reasons. One, because it shows that when Americans don't feel good about uh, the way America is going, we do the most American thing possible, which is buy guns. And that kind of makes me feel good. But what's also interesting about it is it's created sort of an ammunition bubble the same way that someone moving from San Francisco who's used to San Francisco's insane real estate prices and they move to San Antonio and to them paying $2,000 a month for a two-bedroom apartment seems like a deal where to someone who's lived in San Antonio their entire life, it seems insane. And you've seen that bubble sort of apply itself to ammo prices where they bought this Glock 19 and a box of nine mil is $25. And that's just what it is to them. They've never seen nine mil for eight ninety nine or twelve ninety nine or something like that. Right. Um, we got to go to break and I, I sort of want to hop back into that and cause there's some interesting implications with all of this. And we'll probably get to that towards the middle to the end of the show. Uh, but right now we're talking with Caleb Giddings. You're listening to ballistic radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at 
Easy day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatterguns since 1977. A legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories as well as the EDC X series of firearms, which offers discriminating shooters 1911 match grade accuracy, superior ergonomics, and concealability with modern service pistol capacity as well as reliability at www.wilsoncombat.com. So we're talking with Caleb Giddings, and you were sort of bringing up that, you know, as far as the best estimates go and the best guesses, something like 40% of the new firearms purchases right now are first-time gun buyers. And and sort of saying that since these people are new to all of this, uh, they don't have a frame of reference for what something is supposed to cost. And I guess we could examine, you know, the concept of what anything is supposed to cost. And, and you know, I'm, I am not uh, an economist, right? So I, I'm, I'm not going to try and like say that's like an area of expertise. But it seems like when people are complaining about everything going on and they're talking about like price gouging and things like that, um, supply and demand sort of is a thing, right? No, it really is. And we're seeing that play out in the ammo side. And what you're having is manufacturers or retailers uh, are, and really everybody is raising their prices uh, throughout the entire supply chain because what I would rather have and what most retailers would rather have is I, and like, I understand we all want to go back to the days of buying, you know, brass cased nine mil for 10 bucks a box. And I think that eventually we'll get back to that point because we did after 2013, but I would rather be in a situation where nine millimeter ammo or whatever your desired caliber is available for 30 bucks a box. And I can still buy it if I need it than to just have empty shelves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's funny, too, because we talk about there's like a couple of things going on right now. Um, so and, and I'll, I'll relay a personal story. So a really good friend of mine who's not a gun person at all um, sent me a picture of a uh, Smith & Wesson Shield 380 EZ the other the other night and was like, hey, is this a good gun? Uh, and what was funny about it, it was actually a still from one of the Lucky Gunner reviews that my my other good friend Chris ba- Chris Baker had done. I'm like, yeah, it is. And watch this video and talk about it. But this is a person whom, if you had told me, I you know, if if you had said, hey, John, I'm gonna give you a million dollars, like one million dollars. If you guess correctly the answer to this question, so-and-so is going to ask you about a gun one day. I just said, no, no way. And I'd be out a million bucks right now. You know, that's, that's like how um, unusual this strikes me, right? And I think there's a lot of people out there that, you know, for the very first time ever, and for whatever reason, I don't necessarily want to get into anything that could be confused as politics or at least a political stance. 
Um, cause that's not, mm-hmm. that's not my bag. Um, but for whatever reason out there, you've got a ton of people whom are suddenly confronting the idea that maybe they are personally responsible for their own safety. Would, would you say that's what is driving this? Yeah, there's a big, big, big portion of that where people are looking out at what they're seeing, whether it's through the nightmare hellscape of their phones or on television or, you know, through their social interactions. And they are deeply uncomfortable with the traditional institutions of personal safety, of, you know, protecting the general populace. Mm -hmm. They're uncomfortable with that institution's ability to do its job. And you're, and that's, you know, all of the people that have contacted me about how do I buy a gun or some of people who have even said, can I buy a gun from you? And I'm going to, no, that's several crimes. Um, But all of those people have done it from a place of, I don't feel good about what I'm seeing in the world. And I feel like I need to protect myself or my family. Well, And the interesting thing about that, and man, I say interesting a lot, and and I apologize to everyone because like I try really hard not to, but just everything's really interesting to me, right? Um, Some things the, are just interesting. Yeah, I mean, very interesting. Doctor, doctor, doctor. Um, the 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 thing about that though is, at least in my own lifetime, it's it's difficult to remember a more divisive feeling in the air, right? So it, it seems mm-hmm. very much like, you know, everyone is set against one another, which is funny because right now in this moment, we probably have more shared experience like as a nation than we've had since 9-11. And, you know... Mm-hmm. Everyone is going through some version of the same thing, and everyone is experiencing some version of the same feelings. And instead of going, huh, I wonder if the other people around me are, are feeling similar, and you know, maybe this is somewhere for us to find common ground, and you know, maybe we're not that different after all. Um, that's not the way it seems to be going, or at least that's not how the conversation seems to be going, you know? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been interesting to see how instead of all coming together in a, all all coming together in this shared experience, we kind of decided to go the opposite direction with it, which it happens. Nobody's, uh, nobody's perfect. And I don't, I don't particularly want to comment on the reasons behind that because I'm not yeah. an expert in that. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where I am very capable of observing the downstream effects on the firearms industry and try to keep my commentary to that. So yeah, that's yeah. What I get paid to do. Yeah. But what and but what we're seeing as a result of that in the gun industry is again this on this historic demand and everybody's buying guns and trying to buy ammo and the thing that then pops up as a sort of side effect of this is all of these people who don't, who I'm sort of surprised don't really understand how supply and demand works, create all of these wild conspiracy theories about why ammo is hard to get, which 
you know, you have ones that range from simple misunderstandings of supply chains all the way out to completely crazy things like the government is secretly buying all of the ammo and stockpiling it to hide it from us, which doesn't make any sense at all because the government at large has its own supply chains for ammo, something that a lot of people don't understand. Right. Right. It's, it's not, they're, they're not drawing from the same pool. Um, generally now, at least not, not, you know, capital G government. Um, as far as, you know, I'd kind of like to address some of the, you know, specific misconceptions there just so that people who are listening that are maybe not intentionally, but spreading misinformation and, and almost creating a worse panic. Um, what are, you know, do you care to speak to those in a little more detail? Sure. Well, I'll do the, I'll do the big government one first. So the big government, like the federal government, you know, the military is the, the military is the largest consumer of ammo in, in our country by, by an order of magnitude that would blow people's minds, they get most of their ammo from Lake City, which produces billions and billions of rounds that go straight to the military every year. Whenever you see government agencies buying from commercial producers like Spear or something like that, those are specific, specific contracted runs, and those contracts have existed for a long time. So ammo that is being bought by the government is not taking ammo out of what's being produced for the general population. And I, I understand that's kind of hard for people to wrap their heads around, but that ammo was going to go to the government regardless. It's not like, it's not like Spear is gonna be like, we're making a billion rounds of ammo, and then all of a sudden Dr. Fed gives them an order, and they're like, haha, FU consumers, we're taking half this ammo and giving it to the government. That's not how right. that works. Right. So that's kind of the first one that I really wanted to play whack-a-mole with. And then the next one is components. And everybody – and this – I did a video about this specifically because I'd seen so many people say, like, we get all of our lead from China. And it was one of those things where there was sort of – there was enough of a grain of truth in it that I wanted to kind of run it down because if you remember back in 2013 – uh, President Obama shut down oh, the EPA. I shouldn't say President Obama. The EPA shut down the last active lead smelter in the United States. And the NRA put out this sort of hysterical press release about how by doing this, it eliminated the ability for ammo to be for American companies to do single source ammunition manufacturing with all American components and that the cost of lead ammo was going to skyrocket. And obviously none of that turned out to be true, as we saw when ammo after the Trump slump was like eight bucks a box. Right. Uh, what the actual truth is, and I know this is super freaking boring for most people, but almost all, and I, I won't get into the numbers. If you guys want numbers, go watch my video. It's called, Is There Chinese Lead in Your Ammo? But almost all of the, of the lead that we get for ammo in the United States comes from recycled car batteries. And the recycling process is done right here in the United States. There's three or four 
car battery recycling facilities that basically suck the lead out of these car batteries and then recast it in lead ingots and ship it off to, you know, Federal or Winchester or whatever companies need lead for uh, ammo. And so there's no, we're not like, there aren't like ships full of lead sitting in the ports or China hasn't stopped shipping us lead. So that's not, that's not what's happening. What is happening is that there is a, it's, it's really like econ 101 stuff is there is a super high demand for all of these components and they're more expensive to get and due to labor slowdowns because of the coof it's you're not able to get as many of them as you want so it's just it's all very basic 101 stuff but the way it's happening it's sort of like we've taken all of these things and created a perfect storm to really jack up the ammo supply line well yeah, and there's some other things, too, that I don't think people are considering, but we got to go to break, and then, then we'll sort of get into that. Uh, right now, we're talking with Caleb Giddings. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at Easy Day Prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. This segment brought to you by BigTexOutdoors.com. BigTexOutdoors.com is the best place for you to find all of your everyday carry needs at the absolute best prices. Maybe you need all the lumens from ModLite at the lowest price? No problem. Spend too much time alone in your room and need an optic on your carry gun now? Well, BigTexOutdoors.com has those, and they don't judge. Glock accessories? Yes. Fast, cheap shipping, 100% hassle-free returns, all that and more. And best of all, BigTexOutdoors.com has Ike. He's a good man and thorough. I like Ike. Everybody likes Ike. And you'll like Ike, too. Visit BigTexOutdoors.com today and find out what happens when every customer is a friend, not just an order. So we're talking with Caleb Giddings about this the state of today's ammo buying market and guns to a lesser extent. And... You know, you you were talking about how when c- components cost more, ammo costs more. Um, the the other thing to keep in mind too is that when you're, you know, when you're running at maximum capacity, whether it's as a manufacturer or even as a retailer, if somebody works more than forty hours and is hourly, you have to pay them overtime, and mm-hmm. you know, doing that consistently you know for weeks at a time or months at a time is also going to drive up the cost of things yeah yeah it absolutely will and we've also there's also some other uh things that have gone into effect like job protection there's certain laws that are that were passed due to the the covid where you have to guarantee people's jobs things like that. So labor costs have increased while labor output has decreased because of social distancing restrictions, because of people getting sick, because of people getting quarantined. So it costs more to employ the same number of people who are producing less product right now, thanks in no small part to this virus. And it's, it's again, it's, it's like I said before the jump, we have a, 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 a perfect storm. I've never seen anything like this before. I've never seen 
this kind of any one of the factors that we have going on, a global pandemic, civil unrest, or a presidential election would be enough to spike up demand for guns and ammo, any one of those three things. All three of those th things at once has emptied the shelves back to the manufacturers. And we've actually reached an interesting point where retailers are now starting to not benefit from this because they can't get stock. And if you can't sell ammo or guns or things like that, if you're a smaller retailer, you're right now, you're kind of looking around being like, I need uh, that truck to, sh you know, full of nine mil to show up so I can sell this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think people are confused by that because they're like, well, they sold out of everything. And I'm like, yes, but that's only helpful short term and if after right, you after you sell out of everything you can't sell anything else that becomes a problem yeah once you sell out of stuff you know that's great for the two minutes that you're that you're sold out of stuff but you need to get you know more stuff so you can sell out of that as well and i think the kind of the best way to explain this is so i remember in the, the the 2013 ammo crisis, as bad as it got, I was still able to easily buy 38 Special and 40 Smith & Wesson, right? Like that was still pretty readily available. Uh, it's not now. 38 is cleaned out. 40 is cleaned out. Like we're at the point where the only ammo that I can basically go on any website and buy right now if I want it is 10 mil. Yeah. Or if you're into some really weird stuff like 9 by 23 Dylan or something like that, you can probably find that. But even the stuff that after the last panic we sort of assumed was our panic-proof ammo, like 357 Magnum or 40 Smith & Wesson, turned out to not be panic-proof this time. Well, I it's kind of like categories of a hurricane, right? Um, yeah. You know, and this is... <laughs> This is a new thing. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of interesting for me, like, how how it's affected, like, what I do with what I do. I know that sounds like a weird way to put that, but, you know, knowing that I cannot replace easily anything that I have right now, it doesn't matter so much. People talk about, well, you know, anyone that's been through this before has a bunch of ammo on hand. And, like, yeah, I probably have, you know, somewhere between six to 10,000 rounds of 9mm around. But, like, for someone like you and I, that doesn't last very long if, if you're doing the things that we do, you know? And Yeah. And, and looking I'm at— I'm really actually kind of glad I broke my arm <laughs> because— I was training. Uh, I, I was training for matches, and my normal training expenditure is somewhere in between 800 and 1,000 rounds a month. And I keep, you know, uh, if I look at my spreadsheet, I've got 8,300 rounds in my house right now, which, without replenishing, and that's not all of one caliber. That's across mostly three calibers. Without replenishing, that'd be gone real quick yeah yeah 
I mean, and there's been years, not recently, but I, I think there was one year I, I, I broke 100,000 rounds. Like that, I fired. Was it the year that you shot that knight's rifle for fifty thousand rounds? And well, that was made the internet very upset at you. That was that was twenty um, back in. I want to say twenty fourteen or so. I um, I was trying real hard to get good with a handgun, and I I had a couple of different things that were going on, but I I think I was between rifle and handgun. Yeah, like right around a hundred k, and. You know, I can't imagine that now um, for for multiple reasons. But just, you know, there's a big difference between, um, you know, shooting 9 millimeter a ton at somewhere between $160 to $175 a case. And right now, a good deal on a case of 9 millimeter is somewhere around $425 to $500. That's a good deal on yeah. it. Yeah. It's uh, got... Go ahead. Insane. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the the pricing, and again, I I want to be very clear that this is actually better than it not being available. Like the fact that I can still go on like Gunbroker, for example, and find nine millimeter even at these prices is definitely better than not being able to find it at all. But it is still shocking for those of us that are used to paying, you know, $200 a case or, you know, if I was buying like nice match ammo or something like that, like 350 a case, uh, you know, would still have been reasonable. But looking at it right now, just so you guys know, uh, there is a 500 round half case of 124 grain NATO on Gunbroker that has two hours left to get that has a buy it now price for 500 rounds of 369 dollars and it will sell for that for sure yeah yeah um so you address the big government one and you you address the where lead comes from one are there any others that you know people are sort of going nuts over that you'd like to be like hey that's not what's going on well, the, uh, the, the other one that people don't really understand is primers and like kind of how primers get made. There's, there aren't a lot of facilities in, and I'll focus specifically on domestic production, but there's, there aren't a lot of places that make primers in the United States. You have three big manufacturers of primers. You have uh, Federal, Winchester, and CCI, and those are your big, those those guys make most of the primers that get out into the commercial market in the States. And you have some international manufacturers that import as well. But again, all of these dudes are making as many primers as they can as fast as they can. But this is something that has always been the case. Production of primers uh, is prioritized for completed ammunition, not for, sale to the reloading market. So with that, every primer that comes off the line has probably got a round of ammo that it's assigned to for the intermediate future. And a big part of that is because unless something dramatic changes, we're looking at, we're, we're, we're probably not going to have a return to normal uh, levels of availability 
until mid 2021. And what we kind of define as normal uh, levels of availability is being able to log on to your favorite, you know, ammo website and just buy a case of whatever, or to be able to go into Fleet Farm and buy as many boxes of whatever as you want without it being quantity controlled. And right. that's just availability. We probably won't see a return to what we consider normal pricing until 2022. And that's there's so many factors that could affect that in between now and then that I'm even hesitant to commit myself to any sort of timeline because I know 2022 will get here and ammo will still be 400 bucks for a case of nine mil and some idiot will show up in my mentions on Twitter being like, well, but in 2020 on ballistic radio, you said. Huh. Yeah. Well, and we got to go to break, but <laughs> 2020 is not done yet. Um, yeah. And, huh. Who knows what what else will happen? Uh, right now, we're talking with Caleb Giddings. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles, and accessories at easy day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. So we're talking with Caleb Giddings, and, you know, I kind of... <laughs> I I was kind of joking, but I'm kind of not. Um, we don't we don't know what else is going to happen, and you know you're you're making and it's very kind of you to make these predictions, uh, but as you pointed out, there's a lot of factors that neither one of us can know. Um, you're making those predictions based off of assuming things were to stay exactly the way they are, or perhaps get a little bit better. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the industry is looking at kind of two use cases or not use cases, two uh, models for this. And, you know, the biggest destabilizing factor that we know is going to happen still in 2020 is there is going to be a presidential election and nobody has any idea what the result of that election is going to be. However, the safest bet is that it will do nothing to lower the demand for ammo regardless of who wins. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of that that's the yeah when when I was having this conversation a few months ago when I first started digging into this there was the presumption that if uh, the incumbent candidate won that the demand for ammo would decrease slightly maybe to a moderate amount no one is actually making that assumption anymore based on what's happened in the last few months. Right. So now we all kind of agree that regardless of who wins, demand is going to stay at its current level or perhaps even spike a little bit. And if that's the case, then what we're, what we're looking at is another six months of runway before demand even starts to taper a little bit. So I hope you guys like buying your ammo. Uh, I hope you guys really, really like ammo seek and trying to find ammo that way because that looks to be the the way of the world at least for another year, maybe longer. And I mean, I I don't know. So I wanted to talk about this on the show, right? And I wanted people to have like actual information as opposed to 
guesses. Um, but I suspect there are going to be people listening to this that are going, well, that doesn't make me feel better at all. Um, yeah, sorry. Better about this. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Um, what, 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 do you have any suggestions, I guess, for how to stop worrying and love the bomb? Um, Dr. Strangelove reference. I'm sorry. You know, I think the best thing that people can do, and it's, and I'm just applying this from what I've applied to my own life is supply and accept that, accept the fact that supply and demand is supply and demand. All right. Ammo prices are going to be what they're going to be. And if that means that you need to make a choice about continuing shooting as a hobby or doing something else, then that's an okay choice to make. Uh, and if you decide that I'm not interested in spending um, a dollar around for 38 special, then that's fine. Don't, don't do that. The other thing that I would tell people to do is to delete Twitter um, and maybe Facebook uh, and focus. And this is, this has absolutely nothing to do with the cost of ammo, but everything to do with what's driving the tension that has been driving the demand for ammo. And I really want to encourage everybody who's living this to self check out of the echo chambers that you probably have unintentionally created in your life. And we all do it. We all have, you know, negative feedback loops that we get into regardless of which news we're watching. Uh, And I would really encourage people to check out of that and, Go take your dog for a walk. Go hug your kids. Go shut your computer off. Put your phone away. Watch a movie. Do something that brings joy to your life. And if that is, you know, go shooting, don't worry about hoarding your ammo like you're going to need it to fight off ravenous hordes. If you like shooting and that brings joy to your life, go shoot your ammo. Don't be Smog the Dragon sitting on your treasure chest of nine mil rounds when you could be out shooting it and having fun. Right. right. And that's kind of, that, that's kind of my big message is I really want everybody in the country to collectively go. Woo-sah. Yeah. And just like relax chill the hell out, man. Yeah. Um, well, and it's funny too, because people, you know, I will say this and, and, you know, if you are worried about, needing a stockpile of ammunition for whatever nightmare scenario that you can envision. Um, and, and I don't want to get into like specifics because everyone, everyone's got like this, this idea in their head. Um, I'm not, I'm not commenting on the validity, validity of that. Uh, I don't feel comfortable doing that. One thing I will say, uh, and I, I do feel comfortable saying this is in whatever scenario you were envisioning, um, if you're not going to need more than a couple hundred rounds at the very most, because any sort of sort of lengthy engagement that you get into as a private citizen in whatever dystopian post-apocalyptic future you see um, is it's not going to go well for you if it's a lengthy engagement. You're going to lose. Like the the yes. entire point is just to avoid those. So, uh, how much ammo can you realistically carry if you're bugging out? Yeah, and 
how much and like I, I I know that people have this whole like siege mentality of well I'm going to defend my you know home for X amount of time and it's really not realistic and because that, if it's just you yeah. or maybe two or three other people defending your home you'll get overrun mm-hmm. you know unless you're yeah you'll get you'll get overrun yeah so yes if you have to pick between you know sitting on a couple thousand rounds of ammo and not going and doing anything fun or going and doing something fun and just have you know four to six magazines worth if you really need it uh, go do something fun. And that's that's probably a better bet. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts that you would leave people with or, you know, have people consider um, in addition to you plugging where people can find you at? But just, just anything in general that... In general, I would like to really encourage people to be critical about the information that they consume and not repeat stuff just because you heard it on, you know, not not repeat stuff just because you heard it on or read it on Facebook or Twitter or something like that. And because that's how that feeds the panic buying. When people think that lead is getting embargoed from China, it feeds the panic buying and it doesn't help anyone. So be critical about your information. Don't repeat stuff that you haven't maybe properly vetted. And I also encourage everybody to, you know, all of the information that I found, with the exception of like conversations from industry personnel, is available out there. You can go find it yourself. You know, it's not hard to do this research and to spend a couple of days discovering where all of our lead comes from. Yeah. But so, yeah, be critical of your informational sources, people. And if you want to get good informational sources that also maybe involve some light recreational trolling, you can follow me on YouTube at youtube.com slash gunnutsmedia or Facebook at facebook.com Caleb Shooting. Uh, on Facebook, I post firearms industry news updates every Friday uh, where we take about eight, 10 minutes and look at you know the news highlights from the week. And last but not least, if you like slice of life photos from my Instagram, you can follow me at uh, radicaleb with an underscore at the end. That's R-A-D-I-C-A-L-E-B underscore. You're, you're so good at this, Caleb. I, I always enjoy Thank this. Thank you. Um, it's almost like you do this as well. And it's kind of nice. It's nice working with professionals is my favorite thing. Well, you know, so I'm very lucky in that I get to work with a bunch of professionals, but you know, professionals that are not necessarily on this side of things. Um, and you know, I, I enjoy every interview that I get to do, but some are easier than others. Right. And, and these are always easy. So, uh, brother, well, I'm I pre- glad that I can interview. Yeah, right. I, I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, you know, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you again sometime soon. Good to talk to you again. Take care. All right. Take it easy. Hey, guys, make sure you check out our website, BallisticRadio.com. Like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. And hey, if you think we've earned it, and only if you think we've earned it, Uh, If you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, it really helps us out. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe and see you next week.